In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I don't know what your plans might be for tomorrow, but it always surprises some to hear that our tradition, our tradition that is formed through the Book of Common Prayer, our tradition imagines that we might be in church tomorrow. The Book of Common Prayer sets forth prayers and readings for Independence Day, July 4th. As though we would be in this place or a place like it, hearing those prayers, reading the appointed scriptures, perhaps singing a hymn or two. All of us coming together in thanksgiving for the freedom to worship, the freedom to praise our God in whatever way we may choose. If you think about it, and these days around July 4th are good ones to be in church, They're good days to think about what it means to be a free people, free to worship God as we choose. They're good days to think about differences between freedom and license. They're good days to give thanks for our freedom, to to work on behalf of the religious freedom of others, to think about especially what it means to be independent within a Christian context. The scriptures today, though they're not for Independence Day, but for the Sunday, nevertheless help us to think a little about this, I think. They, they help us to remember that while it is Independence Day, uh, celebrating independence from a colonial power, it is not Individualist Day. It is not Isolationist Day. In fact, it's a day for our committing again to what it means to live into the common good, to be a place of united states. The Declaration of Independence itself reminds us that it's we, the people, not I. It's we, the people, who have come together for a more perfect union, for a common defense, for the general welfare Our founding documents stress that we are in this together. Our readings from the scriptures do the same. Uh, The first reading today from Isaiah could be seen as a very tender and intimate snapshot of the way God comes to each one of us. And and that is true enough. The image here is of, of God comforting a child like a mother who comforts her child. But notice the larger context. This child is a symbol of a lot of children and a lot of adults. The child sitting on the knee of Mother God is the people Israel. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, God says. But the you here is collective. It's communal. The other side of God's you, of course, is we. And that we in the context of the scriptures, was the entire nation of Israel, the nation that struggled like wayward children for 40 years before they became a real nation. 
And so Isaiah's words from God come to the people of Israel like a blessing, like a blessing on their effort to be one family, to be one nation. Isaiah assures them that God nevertheless sees what they desire, this desire to be one people. God honors that dream and holds it close, just like snuggling up with a beloved child. The psalm also sings of faith in God who has already brought us a long way, of God who holds our souls in life and does not allow our feet to slip. But God keeps us from slipping not by extending some holy, unseen, ghostly hand out of heaven, But instead, God becomes human. God becomes like one of us. And that's the way God supports us. God keeps us in life and prevents our feet from slipping by giving us one another to hold on to. St. Paul puts it clearly in the letter to the Galatians, especially in the part of Galatians just before the reading we had today. The reading we had elaborates further on this, but Paul puts it very clearly. Bear one another's burdens, he says in chapter 6. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says to help each other, not because it's practical to get more done, though it is. God says, bear one another, I mean, Paul says, bear one another's burdens, not because it'll make the other person feel better, which it will, and not even because it'll make us feel better, which I promise it will. Instead, God connects bearing one another's burdens to Christ himself. Paul is saying humanitarian reasons are all fine and good. But if I say I love Jesus Christ, then it's a part of that love for there to be a natural extension and expression of that love. For me to begin moving out of myself and toward another person. That's just the way Christ's love works. For me and for the other person. It's in the helping, it's in the sharing, it's in the praying for and with, the serving, the feeding, the binding up, the lending. It's also in the receiving of such help, sometimes that being the most difficult part. The asking for help, the borrowing, the asking, the allowing, the showing grace in the face of need. Paul uses a phrase in our reading that is often plucked out of context and misused entirely. He writes, all must carry their own loads. But notice that there is a larger context. This is said in the midst of Christian community, of family, of network. And so each must do something to help with the load because we're in this together. Each is connected to the other. And so think of it just like a family. There are young and there are old. Some people are able to do more. Some people are not. The young aren't, ex- aren't expected to do quite as much as the fully grown. They're not strong enough. They're not wise enough. They don't know the skills yet. And so the older aren't expected always to do what the younger are because they've done their bit. They can rest a little. They don't have full strength anymore. And so each does according to what each can. 
But the young add their energy and their brightness and and reason for us to go forward. The, The old add their reflection and their wisdom and their prayers and their love for going forward. Paul understands our living out the love of Christ has has no room for a family that might work itself to death to obtain and produce and hoard, all the while looking through the window and judging another family that does things differently. There's no room for that in Paul's vision. Instead, Paul commends a picture of community that shows us people helping one another to carry loads, to share burdens. The Gospel of Luke, in its entirety, the whole Gospel really, is written from the perspective of encouraging us to share, to share burdens, to share joys, to share in the common life of Christ. Many of you know that among the four Gospels, Luke is often symbolized by the ox. And some suggest that the ox is used to represent Luke because the ox is a beast of burden. This story of Jesus appointing 70 only appears in Luke, where Luke's perspective helps us see that that Jesus organizes and shares. It's Luke that highlights the way Jesus goes out of his way to help both the rich and the poor, to to move among both the rich and the poor, to move especially among the women and, and those who were at society's margins, those who others thought were unacceptable those who perhaps didn't grow up as religious Jews. An ox may seem slow and plodding at times, but especially in other cultures, remember that the ox is often the king of animals. The ox is the most useful. The ox carries loads. It it moves things. It's strong and it's persistent. It's steady and it allows for other things to grow and develop and live. In today's gospel, Jesus organizes the disciples as pairs, one with another, and he dreams of us doing the same. Sometimes we might be called to be the strong one. Other times we're called to be the weaker one. The Christian tradition itself gives us a number of ways of of practicing this sharing of burdens with one another. There's the idea of finding someone a little more experienced, uh, perhaps a, a spiritual director or a spiritual friend. The idea is to find someone to talk to and pray with, to, to give over our burdens to. The Celtic tradition thought of this as the anamkara, the soul friend, the spiritual friend or an advisor, or maybe just a relative who always listened well. It can be as formal as a regular get-together or as casual as simply calling someone who you know will listen to you and carry your prayer in her heart. We can ask for others to pray for us, and we do that from time to time. We do it on Sundays. We do it through the week. We can also share our burdens in practical, tangible ways by by showing that we're thinking of someone with a note or a call or a well-placed word. Sometimes money does the trick. It can ease another person's burden. Don't underestimate that. And how many of us have had burdens lifted, if not disappear altogether, when someone brought us food or treated us to a meal. 
And then there's the meal of meals, which we will share in just a few minutes. The the Holy Eucharist, which is this ritual sharing of Christ's body and blood with each other in an effort, in a hope, in a desire, in a faith to sustain and to nourish and to build up and to equip so that we can continue sharing. We share one another's burdens by volunteering with with Trinity Cares, with Health Advocates for Older People, with the Holy Trinity Neighborhood Center, with all sorts of things in the church and out of the church. There are all sorts of ways we can experience the strength of community that bears one another's burdens. If we live out of today's scriptures if we can in some way grow in our ability to be the children of God like Isaiah imagines, to accept God's comfort as a mother, if we can bear one another's burdens like Paul suggests, if we can team up with others like the Gospel of Luke shows us to to draw strength and share our own, then perhaps with the Spirit's help we can grow in our ability to help others continue to shape the common good. In 1630, as people were crossing the ocean to come to this country, John Winthrop, the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, preached a sermon to that early group of Puritans well into that famous sermon called A Model for Christian Charity. He says this. He says, Now the only way to avoid this shipwreck... Now imagine hearing that while you're on a boat, nevertheless. He says, The only way to avoid this shipwreck and to provide for our posterity is to follow the counsel of the prophet Micah, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the world as members of the same body. So shall we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Imagine those words from a governor. John Withrop had a great vision in 1630, but we too are entrusted with visions of our own, visions inspired by the past but open to the future. May the Holy Spirit renew a vision for our time that includes all those good things Winthrop mentions, delighting in each other, making others' conditions our own, rejoicing together, mourning together, laboring and suffering together, so that we too might keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.